Eventually, Super Train episode 110. We're finally in the 110s. I hope we're all feeling good about that. Ooh, it's a lot of a lot of talk. I'm Dan. I'm your host. This is a short-lived TV show podcast. Uh, we cover short-lived TV shows. Never got enough love. Eventually, we will cover Super Train. We go three. Generally, we go three shows at a time, one episode at a time. Usually, I have a different guest host uh, for each show. And it's considered like a mini podcast for each show, and uh, sometimes a uh, solo. But uh, at the moment, we've got three guests, and Mitchell Hadley has been joining me for the past ten episodes to talk about 1972-73's Search. And today he's going to continue doing that, and we're going to talk episode eleven of Search. And then Amy the Conqueror and myself are going to discuss episode eight, Planet of the Apes, the live action show. And then Tim Turner, Tim S. Turner, is back to discuss episode. Who of Kolchak, the Night Stalker, and uh, yeah, let me uh, let me play a little bit of the search theme, and we shall begin. Episode 11 of Search. This was the episode that was used for uh, the Viewmaster packet. You know, you remember that? Well, if you don't remember it, uh, Viewmaster was, uh, uh, you know, the great time to think to see the Viewmasters and you could probably see pretty easily. It was a fun toy that I had. I had a ton of them. They had all sorts of different, different, they had horror stuff. They had superhero stuff. They had big name movies. They had all sorts of great stuff. But if you go to um, Guess Who's Coming to Christmas episode of Happy Days, Joni Gets a Viewmaster. And you'll see, it was a thing, you looked into it, and there were like, I don't know how the pictures were done, but there was a little disc you placed in it, and there were like 10 spots the disc would stop on, and there were like 20 photos in different order around the wheel, and the, the um, you know, one one image would you you know each image was made up of to, to make it look 3d each image was made up of and i could begin this all wrong but each image when you look through it like you saw number one that was made up of two images one in the left eye one in the right eye and because of the way they were done and lined up and everything they looked 3d and it was a lot of fun it was really cool and they did it for tv shows and things and this was the one they did the uh the search view massive i would have loved it if if um search had come out a little later in the 70s we could have got a 
Power Records. Could you imagine that? Like an awesome... We could have got a 33 and a third Power Record with an adventure from each of the three guys and then one where they all teamed up. Boom. Anyway, um, did you like my story about Viewmasters? I, did, I didn't know that. I'm actually, I've actually got the, um, the credits here on the Wikipedia right now and it says that it became the Search Viewmaster Packet, which is cool. So anyway, in this one, it's Hugh O'Brien's Lockwood is back, uh, directed by Russ Mayberry and written by Leslie Stevens. And in this one, a, a Euro-Asian, Eurasian family uh, who are very wealthy hires uh, Contacts Probe and they, they um, get Lockwood to go to uh, Northern California to look for a missing gold mine. Basically, the family has been... Um, mixed up in some sort of maybe embezzlement or loss of funds or something and the son of this couple tries to commit suicide and Lockwood is basically told please go to Northern California we got some places you, you got to hunt around because we used, we have this gold mine but we've lost the deed so you need to find it and he goes out there to find it along the way he meets up with Gloria Harding that would be uh, Angel Tompkins character she was in a few episodes at the beginning of the series and it was wonderful now she, she's the gal who travels along with Lockwood in this episode and it was really great we'll, we'll, we talk about it a lot but they're really great and um, the, the main thing with this episode uh, in the middle is that Lockwood is close to an exploding car and he loses his hearing for about 15 or so minutes of the episode but we talk about that too so let's um, let me play a little blast of something probably Ellery Queen and um, Mitchell and I are on the other side <laughs> The Gold Machine. Hey everyone, it is Dan, uh, and it is episode 11 of the great and wonderful Search, and I am here with, you know who I'm here with, his best friends call him Mitch Mitch, but I call him Mr. Hadley. It's Mitchell Hadley. How are you, Mitchell? Mr. Hadley. <laughs> oh, I couldn't be better, Dan, and we're talking Search, and I mean, life just doesn't get any better than that. Is it pretty sweet? It's a good time. It is. It's, 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 uh, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not, uh, I won't um, uh, jump on your judgment of the episode, but I'll say so far, it's a pretty darn fine show. And we'll, just, we'll just dive right in. What did you think of the gold machine? Well, I thought that we came into it with some really good signs to begin with. First of all, you've got Leslie Stevens writing the yes. uh, teleplay, and he I mean, besides having created the series, he knows the series, he knows the characters, and we've never really had any kind of a problem with a Leslie Stevens written episode. So already you're starting to feel pretty good getting into it. Then you find out that our favorite technician, yes. none other than uh, Gloria Harding, is back. Yes, and um, you, you get you get excited that she's even in the episode, but when you discover the extent to which she's in the episode. Yes. Out in the field, canoodling with Hugh O'Brien, um, it uh, that really helps to fill out the story. I think anytime you have this kind of a recurring theme where you can bring in elements from other stories or other um, other characters, it's always a plus in my mind. Yes, mm -hmm. and. It, this, I like this episode because it takes a, it introduces a twist fairly early on. The idea that um, that Lockwood 
is temporarily rendered deaf because of the concussion from an explosion. And this this thought that you've got an episode where he isn't going to really be able to depend on uh, con- the control or cam for much mm-hmm. of anything. And that that Harding is uh, shows up shortly after that. And you get the, the thought that perhaps she's going to be like his seeing eye dog through this, mm-hmm. only with hearing that that she's actually going to be the one leading him around. Now, takes a twist from there, and it mm-hmm. turns out that he's only deaf. I think until just after the first commercial break. Yeah, I, th- I think it's about the half hour mark, if yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah, although he does have a, a lot of fun with it when he yeah, regains he hearing and doesn't yeah. tell her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that that. That is an intriguing possibility, nonetheless, because the show is so techno-heavy, and Burgess Meredith plays such an important role in the series overall. I mean, he's the glue that holds the series together. And I never fail to be impressed by the the technical aspect of it. Of it, how they're doing all this translation and bio reading, and how you can see Cam fiddling around w- uh, mm. with the uh, with his um, earpiece and the speaker, just like you would in real life. Mm. And um, there's a, a really nice sense of attention to detail. And so the idea that none of this is going to help him is really interesting. Yes. Yeah. And oh, I. There was just one other thing I oh, was no, please. going to mention but off of the top of it is that we get a confirmation very early on when Cam refers to uh, Lockwood as our finest probe. Mm. And that's something that you and I have suspected from the very beginning, that among all these top flight agents, that he is number one. Mm-hmm. And uh, that I uh, just found an interesting confirmation. Yeah. That he's he is the guy, and, and he he has a bit of uh, and I I wouldn't call it arrogance, but um, he has a well maybe it is um, just just right right when the when the couple explain in the beginning what the Euro Asian couple mm-hmm. I, I I forgot to check my Euro Asian history before we started this, so um, I'm not sure how much of <laughs> and we'll talk about that in a minute how much of that is based in reality or based in just continuing to have white people play Asians um, when, when, when you have a, like a like a it, it, like a mixed cast at the at the probe Institute you know yeah uh, but we'll talk about that in a minute anyway um, but there's a moment where they explain uh, that the couple explains our son tried to commit suicide because someone's embezzled or, or stolen or ten million dollars or something has gone missing from our funds and we could be in a lot of trouble but we have a gold mine and we lost the map, and we want you to find it. And and um, Lockwood's response is more or less like, all right, yeah, go get a cop, get a lawyer or something. They should be able to help you out. Do that. That's uh, <laughs> And he's like, I don't know why I'm doing and, and And, um, and, and uh, Cameron is like, ha, 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 he's joking around. Yes. He'll take care of it. <laughs> but you, you can see, it's funny, the thing I love about the episode is that when you hear the explanation for what it is, and, and you don't quite realize, like, with search, you just think like, so they're going to have Lockwood. Lockwood is going to risk his life to help this wealthy family find a map for a like a gold mine. And there's something about that that's cuckoo. It's like you really he's got to get paid really well. 
to like they're <laughs> they're asking him to because it's not like you know it's not like uh you know they're it's 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 not like a, a, a big, like, the world's going to end or something like that, or a senator's gone missing, something like that. It's, yeah, our family, we, we just lost some money, but, gosh, if we could find this gold mine, you know, and some people might try to kill you. It's like, wow. Uh, and so you, you get the feeling where he's like, really? I have to risk my life mm. for this? And, you and get the that thing, feeling several times through the episode. Yes. What am I doing here? Yeah, and... and 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 the thing I like about the deafening him for about twenty or so minutes of the episode is like you said, it is it isn't at first you don't know whether it's gonna be like like when he gets shot, the bullet episode. Mm-hmm. Whether it's gonna last all the way or whether it's gonna be something that fades as it goes along. But I think it lasts just long enough to add some extra suspense and excitement to have a lot of great shtick with Angel Tompkins trying to talk to him and him kind of... There's a great bit where she's trying to explain we need to get to a phone. Maybe there's one by the powder room. Powder, And she's slapping her face. And he's standing there looking at her, looking at her, looking at her, and then says, all right, we need to get to a phone. And then she's like, oh, you see her roll her eyes. And I think she almost gives a look at the camera, <laughs> if I remember correctly. But there's a lot of great stuff. And it's like, I almost got the feeling that Leslie Stevens was... Um, the Because the actual story, the looking for the gold mine... <laughs> really doesn't amount to much. No, it's, no, it's the it last, doesn't. They get in a helicopter, they fly around, they get shot down, they get in a couple fights, they find it, they learn the secret of it, they get in another fight, it's over. In a sense, it, it it's not fleshed out well enough, but on the flip side, it's incredibly complicated at the same time. Yes, yes, and I think I think the thing the thing like you said with Leslie Stevens, I trust Leslie Stevens. So if he's if he's introducing this plotline where I first hear it, I think really. And and then he brings in the, the 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 deafening portion. To me, that's almost him like saying, "Okay, we're gonna. I've got this idea for half of a great episode, but I also want to do this deafening him idea. So we're gonna combine the two. And because he does learn a lot while he can't hear, he does mm-hmm. get a lot of information. It just it takes a little longer. Um, and so I kind of like the way you go through this. He, he gets to San Francisco, then he goes through this this one adventure, and then in the second half it becomes an out in the woods looking for a mine adventure. So I, I kind of like I don't know I don't know if I call it the world's best structured episode, but it's it it moves and it it sort of jettisons you know what it had and goes on to new stuff before you can get a little like worried or bored or anything. Well, that's it. By the time the big reveal came along i almost didn't even care anymore i kind of stopped trying to figure yes. the story out yes. and i was just enjoying them going from one uh peril to another yes exactly exactly like a james bond film yeah and you, you know um, you do, if you choose to pay attention to a plot in a james bond film god bless you but you don't have to no <laughs> you it's really purely don't optional to. yes yes and you're right uh the, some of the, the this had this has never been what I would call a deadly serious series, but there is, I think, a little more than the ordinary amount of humor in this yeah. one, and that mm-hmm. that goes a long way. Yes, it does, and and like you said, one of the, the things of it is that it, in in almost every one of the episodes, the guys are going to meet up with the lovely gal, and it's great that it's Angel Tompkins, who we already know from two two three previous episodes. Oh, because she is you, so cute in this. She, uh, oh my gosh! I mean, I was trying to pick out my favorite outfit of hers, and I think it's the one 
it's uh, she, well, she looks great like the ballroom sort of dress when they uh-huh. go out to dinner. But I love the one before that. She's wearing like some sort of gray dress or something when yeah. she's when he, she's saying like, "Let's go out to eat." And he's like, oh, I'll get you a sandwich. No, let's go out to eat. And she's like posing and saying, I got all dressed up and you've got the credit cards. Let's go. You know, and she just, she looks so good in that dress. She does. And it's just like, oh, get out of here, Angel. Come on. I think, I think, I mean, I like to think that, I mean, I, 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 I think we talked about the backstory behind why she's only in a few episodes, but I still like to think just character wise that she has been promoted, mm-hmm. but she came back to this to sort of gauge what was going on because she wanted to see if she had an end to meet up with Lockwood on vacation. Well, there's there's an interesting um, footnote on this. I was going to mention this later, but I think this is the appropriate time to do it. According to uh, Wikipedia, which is always reliable, <laughs> uh, yeah, it um, she brings um, Ian when she is oh, when yes. she goes out. She brings in as her replacement. Yes, the the probe down. agent mm-hmm. who was the missing agent in one of our probes is missing. Burrell. Yes, yes. I wrote his name. And down. Yes. she says something along the lines of, uh, you know, uh, you can thank me that I got you this job. But mm. according to Wikipedia, if these episodes had been shown in production order, this would have been the episode right before that one. So okay. you you would have seen him entering to take her place in this episode, and then another episode or two down the line, you would have had him out in the field, and it would have been a logical continuation of what was going on. Instead, if you pick it up at all, you don't really pay any attention to it. And if you're not, if you're a casual viewer, you might not even recognize that this is the same role yes. of the same actor. I'm 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 going to do the same thing I did with with Angel Tompkins' character for this and say that um, it is later on and he he did his probe thing and now maybe he has some kind of stress or something to go out in the field and yeah. and and she 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 knew him and said hey I can bring you in um, you know the telemetry and stuff I'll bring you in on this case with Lockwood I just have to go in there first and check something out. Yep, I, so I she, think you can do it. You can you can make it mean easily. whatever you want it to mean, and it'll work. Yes, I think the, I think it works. Yeah, yeah. I even had I even had the fleeting thought when she left to go on vacation that she had already arranged that she was going to be spending her vacation wherever Lockwood yes, was. Yes, I think so too. I he, think so. she would I, never admit that to him. No, oh, no, no. Which no, is no. why she had to say that when I heard you were in trouble, I came. Mm-hmm here but she's certainly you know if you uh, well let me put it this way if i'm on vacation i don't think i'm going to be checking the messages at the office <laughs> yes <laughs> yes know? exactly yeah <laughs> so i thought that, I, I thought that was nice and it all uh, something else it confirms here too the is that the um chemistry between the two of them in their bantering back and forth in the previous episodes is not an illusion no, no, they're 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 even when he's deaf or pretending to be deaf, they're just they're it's really sweet and 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 as it yeah, it's like when the episode ends, you're like, oh, I wish they'd done another one like that. Yeah, oh, because they're really good together. They're really good mm-hmm. together. And you know, and, this isn't the first time he's kissed. Yes, her. 
Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. You, yeah. Know, you know that? Like, Keck, Cameron is back there rolling his eyes and like, mm-hmm. can we please? Can we please? You know, I, I, I'm sitting in this red room with all these, these goofballs. Can I just, I don't get to kiss anybody. No. Can I, can I please? And I mean, I, I like to think that what happened after this, because I don't think we see her again, I don't think. Um, uh, I, I'd like to think that she, she like got promoted. To, to some sort mm-hmm. of s- spot within the company where she saw everybody. I mean, I love when she leaves to go on vacation and she says like, "See you later, gang," which is yeah. really like that's like that's a work, you know, that's a workplace, you know, thing. Hey, mm-hmm. see you later. I'm going on vacation, guys. Um, and I'd like to think that she got promoted to yeah a position where she just she was still in the company, but she didn't do this right. Sort of I thing think anymore. I think she wound up being a cam, another cam. Yes, in another room. Yes, yeah, in a, yes, and, and, and if again, if these had been shown in the proper order, um, when the episode where she's talking about getting that training would have yes. been the last episode she would have yes. appeared in, and then it all would have made sense. Yes, and that's that's why we don't see her because I don't think Lockwood would have. Um, uh, if, if, you know, they seem to have a thing going, so mm-hmm. I like to think, you know, I don't, I don't think he would have, um, not not let her, but been like you. You can't be monitoring me the whole. Well, he can't. He can't yeah. because he got. He's got to kiss some gals sometimes and mm-hmm. stuff. You can't. You can't like Mrs. Bond. If if uh, Mrs. Bond from Honor Majesty's Secret Service had lived, spoiler, um, <laughs> she. Uh, you know she. He wouldn't have taken her on all the jur- the no. trips. No. You know she. They, they. She wouldn't have gone to Vegas with him and Diamonds Are Forever. It, it just wouldn't have happened. And and that would have been she would have been her her room doing her thing maybe some stuff with Bianco or, or Grover mm-hmm. but she would she wouldn't have been monitoring Lockwood because that would have been a personal interpersonal thing that they they wouldn't have allowed but right. I like to think that she is still there and she's still gorgeous regardless of whether or not she's in the episode she she is. An angel. <laughs> she, she really is. She really is. Um, so, uh, so I mean, we could talk about her for another twenty minutes, and we probably should do a side episode we should, when we do yeah. that. Um, but um, uh, what, what else? What else on this one? I don't want us to go too crazy long oh, on it. Well, but the, um, what is the, um, the only other thing I wanted to mention on this is that this show has a really good guest cast. Besides, uh, besides Angel Tompkins, you've got Mark Leonard who's Sarek yes. from Star Trek, and yes. Here Come the Brides, and all these other things, who's who's always good, always dignified, whether he's playing a big role or not. Yes. You've got uh, Kurt Kasnar, who is in so many shows. He was actually, the week that uh, we watched this episode, he appeared in two other shows that we were watching <laughs> the same weekend. And he is only in it briefly, but he's he's good. And then speaking of the non-Asian, Asian casting. <laughs> the Euro-Asian. Yes. We've got the special appearance by Herd Hatfield, who's been in a lot of TV and movies, and people uh, might recognize him as having played Pontius Pilate in King of Kings. Oh, and wow. if you know that he was in that movie, and if you know that he played Pilate, in the big reveal, you will see that he looks as piloty as he <laughs> possibly can. You know, he smarmy yeah. or sinister or what have you. Um, 
it, the, the camera catches him just right that he's he's every bit the character. Once a punches pilot, always a punches pilot. Well, unfortunately, I, so. I think that uh, I, that I think that might that might typecast your soul. <laughs> I don't know. That that would be a rough one. So that's about that's about all I wanted to add. That this right. has a, this has a really good guest cast, and it it, does. it shows. And I, I'll just ask, um, and we won't go too long on this, but the Euro Asian thing does slightly confuse me because you see the son jump off the building, and he's clearly Asian. Yep. And then you see the mom and dad, who I don't think are. I can't. I can't uh, complete. I would say the mom isn't, but I, I, I don't know the actors. But they clearly because they keep making that they make a point of. Well, we're not Chinese. Yeah, we're Euro Asian. Yeah, well, Herb Hatfield certainly is, and he's, I mean, he's yes, European. Yes, all right, all right. I was because I did at the moment I said it, I thought, wait a minute, did, did I say that? Yeah, yeah, but. But it's it's it is one of those weird things where they're like you're sitting there going okay what are you doing here I mean I they still did that at the at this time period yeah um, it, they, it would they, have been it would have been more plausible if one of the if one of the two of them had been an Asian and you would have had yes. that you would have had the Spock type of thing again where the son would have been half and half yes they do well they do isn't it though um the it's her that's her second husband yes isn't it yes so yes. so that's why that's so so when you, what they're when, thinking when you do when you do look at them and go uh those are two white people and they're saying well we're not chinese yeah and neither am i i don't need to say that out loud um but but their son is clearly i i don't know I, you only see him briefly i i can't say whether or not he's chinese I'm, i i apologize but he's clearly asian mm-hmm and, and so, so I think that's what it is. I think if you had seen the his his actual dad, you would have gone, oh, I get it. Okay, yeah, yeah, all right. But there, but there, there is always always something about that. Uh, we're not Chinese. We're Euro Asian. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm, I don't know, ethno Polak. I don't know what am I? I don't, I don't know what I am. You know, I, it's just, it's, it's just sure, sure you are. And it's, it's great too because when they they click on the screen and the two of them are sitting, of course, in huge bamboo chairs, and she is leaning over, finishing pouring herself a cup of tea. And it's like you couldn't, you couldn't, you might. It's it's almost like you want to freeze it and do like put it like a kids mag, like a highlights magazine, and say, name fourteen very obvious <laughs> ethnic stereotypes in this shot. Well, it, not to it, mention how many people do you know who pose for a phone call? Yes, exactly. Yeah, they are very <laughs> posed. You know, it, it actually it, for a split second when I saw those bamboo chairs and this, and then I'm going to stop talking because when I mentioned Doctor Who, uh, I've gone off on a tangent. But there's um in season 16 of Doctor Who, way back in 1978, the Doctor is called up by the White Guardian, possibly the White Guardian, to assemble the key to time. And the opening scene of that is the doctor being called out onto this little, it's a tiny set, but like a little beach. And there's this old white guy sitting in a big bamboo chair, drinking a huge drink, like with an umbrella, with like, an, you know, like um, just, just enjoying the beach. And for a split second, I thought, ooh, it's the white guardian and his wife. But then I thought, oh, no, wait, they're Euro-Asian. So I don't know what they're meant to be. But, Should have been uh, John yeah. Houston. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, exactly. that would have been great. Oh. <laughs> um, so, so that's yeah. There, there are um, 
there are other things we could talk about. Yeah, the last 20 minutes looking for the mine, as it's as you said, it's very MacGuffin-y. Who cares when they get mm-hmm. to the mine? Who and, and even, like, I had to, like, 10 minutes before we started this call, I had to recheck what happened at the end. Because I knew that the bad guys came in the mine, said they were going to kill them, and then suddenly they were dancing somewhere. Yeah. And I forgot what happened in between. There's a little fight. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> so I, so urge, I, get... I urge I urge all of our listeners out out there just enjoy this episode and don't think too much about it. It'll give you a headache. Let it roll over you. Yeah, yep. yeah. Leslie Leslie Stevens is having fun with it, and and the the great thing is when you get a, a great writer who's just having fun, you have fun too. I think exactly. when it's when it's done well. And the, the the last the last two things I will mention one. Um, Russ Mayberry, the director, shoots the probe control room in a really odd way the whole time. Normally, we're looking at everyone on their left side, right sides. In this one, we're seeing everyone from their left sides. Mm, yeah. And it looks, and if you look at like the bottom, every, it looks more like a giant set. Whereas when you shoot them the other way, it looks like this endless, enormous room that goes on forever. When you shoot them from the way he shoots them in this episode, you can see like the edges of the fray. You can see the ends, the walls, and the things like that. And it's it's not it's big, but it's not as impressive. And I don't know why he would choose to do that. Yeah, and it's also it's also uh, he does some strange things with lighting and colors. You know, and the consoles will look blue or they'll look yes. red. And I understand that's apparently the color scheme of uh, the corporation but it's still it um there was something about it that just didn't look right yes yeah yeah there um then one one more thing with russ mayberry's direction is there's a moment where he could have done something so super suspenseful but he doesn't and i'm thinking because he's doing it more as action and that's the moment where um uh lockwood is reading the poetry in the guy's book who's dead and he can't hear what's going on, but we can. We keep cutting back to them going, um, there's someone else there. There's, uh, there's someone else in the room with him. And they cut back to Lockwood. He's, and you see, all, you see like an open door behind him, and you see another door. And you're just waiting to see like someone fly in the room and attack him. Yes. They don't do that because the, they cut to a wide-angle shot where someone comes in from the far left and rushes at him. And I thought, okay, Russ... I love Mayberry as much as you do. Barty Fife was one of my favorite characters, so I'm gonna let this I'm gonna let this one pass. But I really think you had a moment for just like so, I mean, like he's behind you, he's behind you, you know, something like that, like an aliens or you know, just something. Not that this is alien, but you know what I mean. Like they're mm-hmm. they're tracking them and like it's right behind you, it's right behind you. Kind you of could thing. have even cut to probe control and had them uh, uh, shouting at him on the screen. Yes, yes, and just like and, they were and, watching a movie. And they, 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 yeah, oh, that would have been so nice. Yeah, they, they, they build up to it. But then right at the moment when you think someone's going to burst out from behind him and rush towards him and us, it cuts to this wide angle. And a guy, a guy who, you know, doesn't look like the fastest guy. He ain't the Flash. Bursts through a door <laughs> and rushes at him. And, and it's, it's sort of like, and I, at that moment, I got a little scared because I was like, oh, this is nice. So, somewhere in the room, somewhere behind him, something's going to leap mm-hmm. out at him. And then they cut away, and it's like, okay, he did it for action rather than for, like, a scare. But, um, it, I mean, it's fine. 
for what yeah, it is. It it's, is. It's, it's, it's a, that's the thing with Russ Mayberry is like, I love the TV movie Probe, but there are some like action and suspense scenes in that where eh, maybe we could have chose some different angles or <laughs> done some other things. You know, he's not, Russ is a solid director. He ain't like a moxie. Well, let's face it, if they they, uh, took our advice every time, this show would be entering like its 43rd season right now. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And the problem is they'd be be, um, doing crossovers with Bourbon Street Beat every week, and that would be in its... 53rd season mm-hmm. and uh, that'd be so great it would oh it'd be fantastic and of course Kirk Kasner played Nero Wolf in the pilot <laughs> yes. where yes. Um, William Shatner plays Archie Goodwin so yes. Uh, yes. yeah so I'll stop I'll stop talking I was gonna make a, have a quick discussion about suspense but we'll maybe save that for a later one Mitchell where can we find you online um, I'm at itsabouttv.com talking about uh, classic TV American culture old TV guides um, how TV reflects American history and uh, you can follow me on Facebook and uh, Twitter as well and I, I will say um, this episode is probably going up in about uh, mid mid July. If you go on, it's about TV. You'll see uh, Mitchell reviews a TV guide where he talks about Sammy Davis Jr.'s 1966 yes. t- variety show, and this, the uh, story behind it is so goofball. It's one of those things that you just I, I, I recommend you go and read it now because it's, it's really it's really nice. You, ha- you have to and, see it to believe it. Yes, exactly. So I guess we're going to sign off here, and um, next up. Again, let's go ape. Episode 8, The Deception, November 1st, 1974. Let's see, story by Anthony Lawrence and teleplay by Anthony Lawrence. Oh, and Spears and Ruby, Ken Spears and Joe Ruby, uh, directed by Don McDougall. Uh, in this one, um, uh, Galen, uh, Verdon, and Burke um, meet up with a, um, a blind ape gal who doesn't know that uh, the, the the humans are apes. She hates apes. She thinks her father was killed by an apes. Her uncle, who, who was taking her in, says that her, da- her dad was killed by humans. I'm sorry, killed by humans. And so she hates humans. And uh, Galen and Verdon are trying to stop a bunch of uh, uh, dragoon apes who are basically kind of putting on masks and going out and killing humans. So they're trying to stop them. Meanwhile, unfortunately, Burke... Um, reminds the blind ape gal of a previous love of hers and she falls in love with Burke and so Burke is dealing with an ape who blind ape who hates humans who falls in love with him while the other guys are trying to find basically a um a secret society of um apes who murder humans simply because they're human and uh Amy the Conqueror and I had a good chat about this one uh let me play uh blast of something we're on the other side Episode 8 of Planet of the Apes, The Deception. And I am here with Amy the Conqueror to discuss The Deception. <laughs> Amy the Conqueror, how are you? I'm doing well, Dan. How are you? 
I'm doing all right. I I don't know what your thoughts are on this episode, but I will just say that it's co-written by uh, Ruby and Spears. And if you know Ruby and Spears, they, right after this, they be Ken Spears and Joe Ruby, and I think believe one of them passed recently. Um, they, uh, they were best known in the second half of the 70s and 80s for producing a lot of Saturday morning cartoons. Hmm. And the best Saturday morning cartoon they did, possibly the best Saturday morning cartoon they ever made, Mr. T, the animated series, <laughs> where Mr. T travels around the country with a group of teen gymnasts and yep. solves crimes. <laughs> I, I cannot, if you want to see how crazy Saturday morning shows could be in the 80s and you want to see how crazy the 80s could be, there, <laughs> there, are, there were three seasons, there were 30 episodes, and they are in absolute joy. They are so goofball. And um, but but I never ever thought I'd watch an episode of something written by Ruby and Spears or co-written by them that actually got to me a bit emotionally. Apart from standing on a table and going "Yeah!" when Mr. T like throws a shark around or spins an alligator <laughs> or something like that. Um, but but uh, having said that, the, the deception. What what are your your basic thoughts, Amy? Then we'll um, then we'll go wide. Uh, yeah, this one this one was okay. It didn't. Um anger me at all like the last episode so that was good <laughs> that's good. always a plus for the planet of the apes tv series to not <laughs> yeah. get me angry yeah um yeah it was okay i i thought it was um i i thought it was a little slow but i did mm-hmm. like the storyline um i liked fauna at first i didn't but i i grew to like fauna um yes. because of her you know absolute hate of humans um <laughs> And I'd say it was a blind hate, but that would be wrong to say. <laughs> she didn't um, say it. She didn't say it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I thought it had some interesting things in it. I mean, the dragoons were, um, I don't know, they were a little, <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for, cliche kind of? I was going to say maybe slightly obvious um, yeah. was my sort of thought. I think I – think, oh, I, I, you're, you're – sorry. I'm not going to dive in. Oh, there. no. No. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say I think by the end when they're falling apart, they sort mm-hmm. of um, – I don't know if they quite transcend their obviousness. Um, especially when one of the guys says something like, oh, I recognize this from the time we came from. And you're like, yep, I get it. I get, I yep. get it. Um, but <laughs> yeah. but there's some there's something about the end, and we'll get to that in a bit. Where I think I think when you get to the very end of it, and sort of like Galen is a part of it, and it's kind of like looking around at everyone as they're doing this craziness, and then the final scene. I think it. Um, I think somehow it. I don't know. It. It. it can, I think it kind of transcends the obviousness of its initial. Um, uh, what it was up to, but but then that's me hopping to the end of what I was going to say, and you're still talking. <laughs> no, that's all right. Um, yeah, I, I guess I didn't have much more to say about the Dragoons other than, you know, what you you agree with, that it was kind of obvious. Um, I, I did think it was a little silly that Fauna fell in love with Burke so easily, but I could see why. I mean, I would fall in love with Burke very easily. Um, I may be in love with Burke. I don't know. I may be admitting that right now. Um, but I thought it was um, – Kind of funny that Galen cried. <laughs> like at one point yes. in this episode, like yes. I was like, is he really crying because she's in love with a human and doesn't know it, and they're deceiving her? This deception has brought Galen to tears. Mm-hmm. I was like, that seems a bit heavy. Mm. 
but you know overall it, I, I liked the episode I did yeah I my my thoughts on the episode is that first off it's called the deception and so that made me think well as every episode has has Galen Alan and Peter engaging in some sort of deception it certainly can't be their deception because you wouldn't call it the deception because they do that every episode. <laughs> right. But it is their deception, their deception of Fauna, who, who is blind. Um, but but the fact that they call it that, to me, makes it like, okay, if they're calling it that, this this there must be a reason why. You know, why wouldn't they call the previous episode the deception, you know, when Galen's going around pretending to be a surgeon, you know. Um, uh, or was it the deception of the uncle? Oh, yes, that too. Maybe multiple. The, like... The, that's interesting yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. Okay, that could have been it. Yeah, it's it's funny. I mean, it could have been the Deceptions, yeah. which sounds like a, which sounds like a fun band. <laughs> it's out of Ireland. Yeah, you know, and they they've been great. Um, but my, my thoughts on the episode was for the first half or so, I kind of sat here watching it, thinking, okay, all right, I get it. Yeah, you got this group, and they're killing the humans and yep i get it and you get the 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 blind ape gal who yep i falls in love with with peter yep i get it okay but somewhere in there this thing this sh the episode did that thing that a lot of 70s shows i've been watching a lot of harry o lately and harry o has been doing this to me um i get i'll get i'll start those the episodes will start I'm like okay that's what this is about but then somewhere in there like the halfway point they'll they'll something will happen and suddenly I'll become like much more involved emotionally with it than I thought I would have been. Now I don't know if that makes me a wuss or what it is, <laughs> but I found myself by the by the end of this episode when we when we get to the big closing scene and um and I know we we don't know, normally spoil them spoil them, but there's a big closing scene where Fauna falls off a cliff and that the guys have to save her and the dragoons are are sort of ranting and raving and there's all sorts of stuff going on and i found i found it all a rather affecting i thought it was sort of for for a show that that seems to meander a lot more than you would hope it would at the last like 10 minutes of this episode i found really sort of moving and when it ends with with peter giving fauna a kiss on the cheek it was sort of like that's really lovely and um, and I I don't know I don't know at what point I became because literally I have my note here, you know my 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 notes are basically. Oh yeah, one of these episodes. Okay, <laughs> yeah, she hates the humans. Oh, and so does Uncle Fester. That's what I kept calling him. But he's Asestus <laughs> is his name. And then the one like that, and and we get we get basically to the point where he goes, Peter goes to talk to Fauna to try to let her down easily and somewhere in there my notes stopped and if my notes stopped that meant I was really paying attention and and for some reason in there I liked it is I think it is a little strange that she I, I think I think I think personally I think she I don't think she knows she falls in love with Peter I think she falls in love with who she the the, the young ape she grew up with who she who she thinks Peter reminds her of? Oh yeah. She she I mean she says that's not what it is, but I kind of think that's what it is because she can't see him, and she thinks he looks like Galen, 
mm-hmm. and and um and so so to me um that that's that's kind of why um that happens i mean she spends most of her time by herself there with her now with her dad gone and she's met someone who reminds her of her best friend she says like we would come to this cave and just the two of us and we would hang 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 out and we would play and we would have fun and it sounds to me like that was sort of maybe the best times she ever had and the fact that peter reminds her of him is why to me is why she fell in love with him so quickly maybe it's not peter specifically it's it's what peter sort of represents in her mind and and the moment that happens and i think that why galen is crying is because he's like you know like we've been deceiving everybody for the last seven episodes and oh f now we've <laughs> now we've gone too far this one is too far we we should not have done this we we should have we should have we should have gone somewhere else we should have done something else because this 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 young innocent a woman i'll just call her a woman this young innocent woman is now um is now become emotionally attached to us in a way that people can't in this show the show it's not that kind of show yeah that's it's, a good it's point. not it's not a soap opera so and and so the moment you see that galen is crying to me at first i was like is he crying and then he was and i thought well why exactly is he crying and to me it was a mix of that well this is all rather sad uh, also, along with, damn it, we're trying so hard to accomplish something, and we never quite get there, and now we've hurt someone who has been nothing but nice, kind to us. And it's one thing to spend an episode with a jackass and have the. You remember that guy with the cow or the bull? Oh remember yeah. That one ape. Yep. Yeah. He was a. He oh. was. Pardon me. He was a prick for like 45 minutes yep. if you pardon my French <laughs> but then at the end when he left he was like ha, ha, you guys if you ever want to come back and I was like ha, ha, that guy ha, ha, ha. Yeah. but in this but in this apart from and and you can understand why because of where, how she who she lives with why she despises the humans because that's all Uncle Cestus there is is teaching her you 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 like her uh, well, well, I mean, in the beginning, I was like, "Oh, this character," but mm-hmm. then I grew, to, I grew to like her. And then the second time I watched it, when I knew I liked her, I liked her more right. at, that, at the beginning. And so, so it's, it's like you, you, it's, it's, it's different having a character like Cestus, who is a jackass in the beginning, but turns out to be just kind of a misguided, bit of a misguided creep. Um, whereas someone like Fauna, who you really want, who, 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 who from, who, who. Deserves, deserves to be liked. I guess is that something? You know, it's like you know, yeah. it's 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 because she helps them out and she puts them in the cave where they can rest and things like that. And so she falls in love with Peter, and then he has to let her down. And then I, it was weird. I couldn't quite tell the first time I watched the episode. I thought she was jumping off the cliff or just walking off the cliff. The second time I thought, oh no, she fell off it. Right. <laughs> um, so I couldn't quite tell. I'm going to stick with she. She. She went off it herself to commit suicide. Oh, really? Um, uh, that. That's what I thought the first time. Now the mm-hmm. second time I watched it, she lets out a scream as she's falling, which made me think, "Oh crap! I just fell off a cliff." Yeah. But the and, first you know, time, her being blind, I figured she just kind of lost track of where she was. Yes. And, you know they. Yeah, the it whole was, she jumped off thing did not cross my mind. That's interesting. I may have to go watch this one again. I it's and, 
yeah, like I said, it's it's iffy if that's if that's what happened because I mean I'd like to think that if anyone knew that cliff well, sh- she was the one who knew it because she would fall off it if she didn't. Right. It's just the second time I watched it, I I didn't remember her screaming the first time. And now th- now that doesn't mean that if you if you choose, and I'm not saying any of my listeners should do this, but if you choose to jump off a bridge one day. That doesn't mean you're not going to scream as you're going down. Oh yeah, I, I so, think would scream. So so yeah so so um when I yeah like I said when I watched this the first time I was like part of the thing that got to me was it's just her basically she leaves their home just walks across the cliff and just goes right off it knowing that she can't swim and she's gone she doesn't know that all this chicanery is going on on the beach and she doesn't know the guys are right there. And and to me to me that's what it was like I said again the second time I watched it I thought or did she accidentally just fall? But then I thought why would you let her out there then if if there's a danger of her falling off the cliff? Right. Sure. Surely she must know where the edge of the cliff. I mean that makes her seem forgive me like a really dumb blind person. Right. If she lives on the edge of a cliff and there's danger of her falling off it. Right. <laughs> you you would think that the first thing her dad would have done when she was blind is, he, you know, here's the point you can go to. Or put up a fence, though so they're not good at fences. Yes, exactly. I remember that, but <laughs> exactly. So so, but that that was my thought on it. So maybe that was a little too much on it, but that that was sort of it. It one of those episodes that when it started, I was like, oh, okay, but then when it when it ended, I was like, oh, okay, that 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 kind of affected me, and I and I, I like that, and and just the way that he. Um, uh, she still seems a little like wary of Peter in the end, but then he kind of like puts his hand on her shoulder, kisses her, kind of gives her a bit of an embrace, and walks on. And as they're leaving, it cuts back to them, and she has her hand up in the air, waving to them. Uh, I, I thought was like, okay, okay, that's I, I like that. So, um, is is it a great episode? I don't know. I think it gets better as it goes along. And yeah. the drag, the, and the, and as I said in the the closing scene where you learn what's going on, and the dragoons are taking off their hoods, and the whole thing is falling apart. I thought was really affecting. Also, um, I don't know if this will turn out to be my favorite episode of the show, but but um, but but it, you know you start off kind of eh, and then end on a high. Then I'm I enjoyed it so. Yeah. What 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 else do you have about this? Um, actually, th- I did watch it twice, and I couldn't. I don't know if I just missed this twice, or mm. did humans really kill her father, or were the dra- dragoons involved in the death, or it, her uncle was in an accident? I vaguely yes remember hearing them talking about something. I don't know why I couldn't connect with this. Um, yeah. so I wrote in my notes like <laughs> I think that the humans that- didn't kill her father but then i'm like uh, i don't quite remember so i'm asking now <laughs> and then i i will also ask anyone listening does anyone else have this problem with like sometimes like 70s storytelling on tv because i get this problem sometimes too where i feel like i'm watching an episode of something very closely and then i get to the end and i'm like what did i miss and then it'll be like a whole minute that i missed yeah that's kind of how that I got, I've had that happen on on more than one occasion with like seventy shows, um, but but no, um, uh, uh, Uncle Cestus there, 
Um, and when, when I told my wife about the episode and I kept calling him, I kept calling him Uncle Fester, she said, did he put a light bulb in his mouth at the end of the episode? And I said, he did not. Um, Uncle Cestus, yeah, <laughs> Uncle Cestus says that um, the dad who liked humans got in an argument with the head of the Dragoons one day. Okay. And, and I forget if they, there was a fight or it just beca- there became a bit of shoving. And the head of the dragoons pushed the dad, and ex- and the dad fell down in such a way that he died. Okay, I thought it. I, yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you. That makes sense. Then. And so, yeah, and so they blamed it on a bunch of humans and just sort of kept it that way, and that's what they told Fauna, and that that's what that's what um, uh, increased her rage. Right. Over over that, and I I do like I mean the moments when um. Like Peter tells her um, the story of well we don't hear him tell the story of Robinson Crusoe, but tells about Robinson Crusoe and he does that because he's reading her dad's diary and he gets to the point where he basically like there's like a picture of like hearts all around it that says I love humans or something yeah. like that <laughs> and it's like the moment he gets there he's like I love oh boy. Let me tell you about Robinson Crusoe. Thank God he didn't have a dirty limerick in his mind because who knows what he would have told her. Right. But but he tells her that. And then later on, it's interesting, he tells the story of um, Isaac and Jacob and Esau from uh, the book of Genesis in the mm-hmm. Bible. And it's, 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 it's interesting because I, I didn't quite remember this. I haven't read that story in a while. Um, but um, I, uh, I did go and check it out again. And um, Jacob is a bit more crafty than Peter would lead you to believe. Hmm. Um, Jacob was, because they tell the story of Jacob and Esau were, I think they were twins. And there's the story that it's told that as Esau was leaving the womb, Jacob was holding on to his hand, holding on to his ankle, trying to stop him from being born first. And so that's kind of one of the reasons why Jacob took the birthright or the, the blessing. And so when you... So actually read, and I guess it doesn't matter. It's not like the apes read the Bible. So, so, and I mean, there here at the end of the day, there are a lot of great stories in the Bible. So why not just, you know, if you got to bend one around a little bit to fit you, I think people have been doing that for years. And frankly, yes. but, but, but um, he, he bends it slightly to make it like, um, you know, just, just the deception, you know, Jacob deceived Isaac, making him think he was Esau, but he didn't do it out of, uh, spite or anger he did it out of sort of necessity and and so he tells that story it's really it's really quite it's really quite nicely done and and in the end when she discovers that he's human he he repeats it you know it was a deception but not out of out of anger out of hatred but out of necessity and it's really um it's it's really it's really weird for a show that's been alternately rather intelligent and then sometimes very dippy as this episode went along, I thought it got sort of smarter and smarter. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm wondering because there were like three or four writers listed. I'm wondering who did what on it. I'd, I'd like to know who who wrote what because the right. addition of the addition of the amended Bible story is not something I don't think you would have normally seen. Like if you were watching like Beretta the same night or something, I don't know <laughs> right. if he would have done that. It's just um. I, I, I kind of like that, but yeah, but yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, that is that is why the dad was killed and why um fauna, um uh hate. And I will say, my my wife watched a few minutes with me, and she really liked fauna. She said, "Who's that actress?" And I said, I, "I'm not sure. I'd have to look her up." But she really liked uh, she really liked fauna. 
Uh, what else do you have here? Let me check um, my notes. Let's see. I don't, I don't think I have anything else. I complained about the Dragoons. Mm-hmm. I liked Fauna. Yeah, I think I think we've covered it. Yeah, I think so. Um, is there a scene where Alan's up a tree and he gets shot at, or is that in another episode? That's in this one, isn't it? Is no, it? I think is that's it, is, in the in another one. Is it the horse race? Or I think I it's forget. in the horse race. Okay, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying because there's um. But then maybe not. Uh, oh, oh, this. Oh, I, I will. I'll say. I'll, I'll say one more thing, um, and then I, I guess we'll, we'll wrap this up. Um, I guess at the end of the day, this is a much better. Oh no, I actually have it playing. It is this episode. Oh okay. He's he's up a tree. It's about um. For some reason, I thought he was in. on a horse. <laughs> He's up a tree, and yeah, the, the gorilla catches him, and uh, I forget what he does with him. But there, there's a oh yeah, they fight. That's right. Okay. Yes, yes. Yep. Um, there's a fun thing in the episode where, um, uh, in the pr- is it this episode? Uh, no, I'm getting I'm getting it mixed up again. Or is it in the next episode? No, it's um. Wait a minute. It's the it's this ep- no it's this episode. Did they get any description of the humans who attacked your your dad? No, they didn't. But when I before I lost my sight, all humans looked the same to me. And then there's a scene where um, uh, Alan and Peter go and attack the head gorilla guy whose name I've forgotten. Yep, me too. Um, and they go and they go and they they rush into his office, leap on him, beat the crap out of him, and say, "You're gonna come with us, and we're gonna show you where the dragoons are." Okay. Burke or whatever his name is, and the girl looks up at him and goes, "I'm not Burke." And then and Burke walks in and he's like, "What do you guys want?" And you're like, "Oh, they're doing. I get it. They can't tell one gorilla from the other right. in the same <laughs> way that the humans guy. I get it. I get it. Okay. Um, over overall, um, I think uh, I think this might be an episode that um, if if you're so inclined, listeners. Watch this one a second time. I normally don't say watch it a second time, but like I said, I I, I got it. It took me about halfway into it before I really started to get into it. And Ga- Galen with Cestus is a lot of fun, pretending to be like a horrible, like sort of. I I, I don't know if it's racist because they're different species, but but a horrible sort of um, uh, you know, human hating chimp is fun to watch Galen and, because every once in a while he'll stop and have a look on his face like what the hell is going on <laughs> which is great so so this, this is an episode I, I um the second time through I really really enjoyed this episode the first time through I was a bit iffy on it but um once you get to the end and then can go back to the beginning I think it makes the episode better but it's your call whether or not you want to do that uh, any any final th- uh, words or thoughts or any anything? You okay, Amy? What's yeah, happening? No, I'm good. I, I think we covered it. <laughs> awesome. So let me uh, let me just uh, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Amy underscore the underscore conqueror. Excellent. Thank you. And uh, next up we have oh yes the uh, the continuing adventures of Kolchak. Uh, this time there's a zombie. Look out.
Shack, Night Stalker, Episode 2, Teleplay by David Chase, hey, and Ezekiel, Ezekiel Marco, story also by Ezekiel, September 20th, 1974, directed by Alex Grasshoff, in this one, a bunch of mobsters uh, begin to get killed by something very, very strong, and that seems to be going specifically after them. And Kolchak investigates. I guess that's all I'll say for that. I mean, I, I don't want to. I don't want to ruin it too much because we go in depth into it. I mean, I could tell you. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ruin it. Suffice it to say, a bunch of the episode begins with a bunch of bookies sitting in the back of like a truck, counting numbers, and all of a sudden something big and powerful breaks in and just tears them up. And uh, Kolchak investigates. And I will. Um, I'll leave it there. Uh, let me play a little burst of music, and uh, Tim and I are on the other side. The Zombie, Episode 2 of Kolchak, and I'm here with the great, the powerful Mr. Tim Turner to discuss this episode. Tim, how are you? I, I'm good, and uh, I, I think for the rest of the episode, I would like to be referred to as The Monk. Oh, you got it, sir. The <laughs> Monk. Let me write that down. The Monk. You got it. So, well, well how, what, what did you think of the episode, now that I'm writing that down? As I'm writing stuff down, tell me what you thought of the episode. Uh, I, I think another strong episode. Uh, it's uh, the 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 makeup on the actual zombie when we finally get to see him in close up is pretty gruesome. Yes. For early seventies TV, he looks very moist, and, yes. and yet his skin is cracked and uh, the, the white eyes and everything. Um, and he's huge. It's not like a skinny zombie guy. It's uh, he he looks like. Um, He's built like uh, Tim Tiny Lister. Yes, yes, yes. You yes. know, massive, massive guy. Uh, I like this one. It's kind of, It feels kind of like a, a little bit of a change of pace because the victims aren't really innocent people this time around. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're mobsters. They're jackasses, yeah. Yeah, they're mobsters, uh, two sets of mobsters, actually. And so you're not necessarily like, oh, no, don't hurt, uh, you know, Johnny Longlegs or whatever. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Jimmy No-Nos, whatever yeah. his name is, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, so it's it really – the only reason why we root for him to stop the zombie is because it starts coming after him. Yes, exactly. Yeah, in the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really enjoyed it. A uh, lot of uh, fun guest stars. Uh, yes. You know, I mean, Jay Pat O'Malley. I love seeing him, even if it's only for one scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, Antonio Vargas. Oh, of course, he's great. Yeah. Uh, the great Scat Sweet Man. Sweet Stick. Is he? Yep, a, Sweet yeah, Stick. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Scat Man's in there doing a a, a, a yes. killer Jamaican accent in there, and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, the introduction of uh, Carol Ann Susie as Monique Marmelstein. Oh, yes. Perennial pain in Carl's butt. <laughs> yes, yes. We'll talk about her in a few moments. Yes. Um. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I think I, I like this episode because it starts off seeming like it's going to be possibly similar to the other episodes, except in this one, instead of ladies, it's a bunch of gangsters counting their numbers, money in a truck. So there's something yeah. a bit different going on. And like you said, it's it's interesting because the zombie is specifically going after pardon my French assholes. So so it's like, yes. you know, hey, you know, it's it's like you know, it's like, you know, you know, the the Punisher, you know, you might not like what the Punisher does, but he's going after jerks. 
at the end of the day. I, you know, I'm not here to, you know, say how great vigilantism <laughs> is, but sometimes isn't vigilantism great? You know, and that's kind of what's happening here. <laughs> you know, it's 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 you know, the good it's old days co- of vigilantes. Vigilante. Oh, and you know, it's just this. <laughs> it's a monster. It's it's zombies versus mobsters, which I'm sure is a movie. Uh, I'm fairly oh, certain sure. zombies versus mobsters is a How movie. Could you not, but I love that. Yeah, and and that's that's um, and that's basically what this is. And this is this is and and to any of you you listening who are like zombies, well, when does he eat them? We can talk about the way zombies worked in pop culture in the seventies uh, in, in a few minutes, if I remember. No, I wrote down here zombies, so we'll talk about that in a yes. minute. If I if I look over at this piece of paper, um, uh, but but it is interesting because it's unlike the Ripper and the others, where there's a sense of you know these innocent women are being killed and we need to stop it. This is like these mobsters who kill people are being killed. Well, we need to stop it tomorrow. You know, it doesn't. I, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm okay. I got some stuff to do today. You know, but Kolchak. But I like his Kolchak is on it because he's a reporter and because it's it's fascinating. And the more he learns, um, as, as with the other episodes, the more he learns. And I love I love that Kolchak is as much of sort of like a sort of a regular down to earth guy as he is, the moment he gets on his zombie trip or his ripper trip or his vampire trip, he's all for it. You know, he, he just goes, you know, it's like, he doesn't stop and like, so he might be a zombie and I need to do what with the salt and the needle and the thread and the what he's just like, here's what you do. If you don't like it, get out of here. I don't care. No, I I like, (laughs) I like that part of his character. I think, I think it's a fun episode because the zombie is great in it. And they do enough of the de- developing the sort of two sides going at each other, and this other force coming in and killing them. Um, it's 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 enough to um, make it so that if you start off thinking, "Ooh, this is like the two TV movies in The Ripper," by the end, it's not. It's done something different, and and I I like that that it starts off from a point where you think, "Okay, we've seen this," but then by the end, you're like, "No, no, we 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 really haven't." And um, the closing scenes with Carl and the zombie um, are really good, and it's um, it's uh, I think overall it's it's a really nicely done. I mean, co-written by David Chase. Yes. And if you know, yeah, and and you see his name on something, he's one of those writers. I see his name on something, I trust that it's going to be well written, and it is in fact well written. So it's is I think it's, I think it's a very it's a very good episode, and it shows the great thing is it shows that um, this isn't like. They they don't just have one trick in the bag, you know. Here's the monster of the week. Carl learns what he is and then stops him. Yeah, uh, this has yeah. more. This this has more going on. This is more expansive, and I like that. Yeah, I, I I'll tell you, like going back to you know, you had mentioned the zombie thing. I it, it's interesting because at this point in time, you, you've already had Night of the Living Dead. Uh, you've had children shouldn't play dead things. And so we've established the flesh-eating zombie, uh, you know, character, and this is a total throwback to to like yes. you know Bela Lugosi's White Zombie, you know, or the, uh, or, or a Revolt of the Zombies, any of those things from the mm-hmm. the 30s, what are even like you know, uh, Zombies from Mora Tower or yeah, something, like, yeah, 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 where it's it's they're they're being controlled, mm-hmm. and they you know like frankly. You know, if you or I were there, the zombie would not hurt us. 
because it's not yes. coming after us. It would walk right yes. by us unless we walk tried right to stop it, of course. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yeah. so it was kind of interesting that they chose to go old school with the zombie in this one. I I, th- I think this was still at a point in 74 where you could still do that. Mm. Because in, I think it was, in, is, is it 1975 or 76 when Marvel Comics were doing all their black and white magazines? Oh, right, yeah. They like, had yeah. one called Tales of the Zombie. Yeah. And that was a, that that ran for ten issues, and they put it together in like one of those Marvel Essentials that includes like all the yeah, bonus. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. And in that one, that yeah. is very specifically old school style zombies. Although, if I remember correctly, there's like more than one article in there that may like mention Night Living Dead or something like that. Uh, don't, don't quote me on that because I have not read it in a couple of years. But I think I think the thing is that to me, the zombies being only things that ate people is solidified with Dawn of the Dead and Fulci uh, at the end of the 70s, start of the 80s. To me, what I remember, and I was very little, but what I remember is that like in horror film books and things in the 70s or into the late 70s, when you read about Night of the Living Dead, they were referred to as ghouls. They weren't mm-hmm. called, they weren't specific, now we call them zombies. But back then, when they came out, they were referred to as ghouls. And when a lot of, um, uh, like, uh, like Corpse Eaters, which is a Canadian film from around 74 or so that I love, yes, corpses come back to life and eat people, and it's a freaking joy, because they're all so Canadian, and they're drinking their beer, and they're fantastic, and they're just... And they're really glorious. polite. They're really polite as they're getting eaten. <laughs> but in that one, they're never called zombies. They're specifically corpses that have come to life and are eating people. And I think a lot of the, look, even, forgive me, like the child, I don't think in the child when the zombies attack and go after everyone, you know, and they eat a cat at the beginning of the child, you know, I don't think they're called zombies. I I think zombies as a specific name for things, corpses that ate humans is really solidified circa like 1980 or so and, and, and on. But I think in the 70s, there's sort of a nebulous period where you have a lot of Night Living Dead-style rip-offs where they eat people, but they're not specifically zombies. Like, like I don't remember, like, in, in um, uh, Let Sleeping Corpses Lie, uh, Breakfast at the oh, Manchester, Manchester Morgue. Morgue yeah. I, I, I don't remember if they could be. I haven't seen that in a while. But, but it's like they're just like they're corpses that come back to life and they eat people. Zombies specifically is something that happens in when... Dawn of the Dead is called Zombie, and then Fulci makes Zombie, and then it goes from there. So I think I think there I think at this point calling it the Zombie, you you would I I would almost say you you might go the route the old fashioned as it were route rather than the new route of the eating people's intestines. I, I <laughs> I'm not 100 percent certain on that, but that is that is why I think that um that that might be because like I said. I remember so specifically, like looking in a. My cousin Kenny had a big book on horror films that I looked at, like 1980 or 1981. It didn't have Dawn of the Dead in it yet, and it had a big section on Night of the Living Dead where it gave the whole story away and the ending and everything, and it kept referring to the things outside as ghouls over and over again. So I think, I think Zombie at this point was slightly different, not quite what we know it as. But I could be off on that, but but that's I think why they did that. Mm. 
Yeah, I, I I do think it was an interesting choice for television, yes. and it, it and like I said, when they finally show him in close up, it's pretty gruesome looking. Yeah, and 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 some of the moments, I mean, when he when Carl is in the grave and he throws the one guy onto the grave and his back snaps. Oh yeah, like and and the cops show up. And the, and their like flashlight pans over, and like the guy is bent over the grave backwards in a way that looks really painful. Yes. And then they and then and then they, they sort of alleviate that by panning down, and you see crouched in the grave Carl kind of waving up at them. <laughs> um, it's funny that they're blame they blame Carl for that. Yeah. It's like he 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 can't get out of the grave. How on earth? Oh, I did know. He... Yeah, it's uh, but uh. Anyway, um, what else do you have on this one? Well, uh, this is the first of three appearances for John Fiedler as Gor- uh, Gordy the Ghoul, the morgue oh, attendant. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I really wish he'd been in more episodes. He's such a great he's character. Great. Yeah. He's always playing uh, – he's got a like a, a numbers game going. Yes. Uh, and I really don't quite understand what it is, but <laughs> – Something I don't about either. Bodies, I assume, or yes, yeah, and something the, the lottery, the the numbers, the corpse lottery number, it was like four one eight. You had five one eight, Kolchak. Oh well, yeah. It's like <laughs> I don't. I not, the numbers are something I've never fully understood. What what the numbers are? Yeah, I... <laughs> it's it's the the closest I ever got to understanding it, is it, it, he's got a great a great scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he um the uh um there's a um uh there is a Stephen Fry documentary where he travels across the US and there's a scene where he goes to New Jersey and he meets two old guys who might be mob guys and he says to them, <laughs> Could you please could you please explain to me something I've never understood about all of this? And they're like, Certainly. And he says like when in movies when they say like the numbers the numbers racket run in the numbers what does that mean is that like you're betting on horses or something or you're betting on a a game and that's not quite what it means it means <laughs> something else and it's slightly overcomplicated and it's it's one of those things where it's I, I should have looked it up, but it's like, you know, it's not like you're not betting on, like, a team winning a football game, but you're betting on something that's, like, one step removed from the t- – it's tough to describe. And when yeah, describe I never understood him, it. <laughs> yeah, it's – it's so so when you hear the numbers um, in, 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 like, in this episode, it's, it's a little more complicated than you think. It ain't just going down to, you know, off-track betting and putting in a, you know, a, a bet on a horse. It's, it's actually something – more complicated and to me when they explained it i thought why on earth would you ever bet on something like that and (laughs) i I must have not thought it was that interesting because my mind forgot it but yeah so so the numbers i mean they make a lot of money from it because that's what this is about both sides like the zombie comes from the fact that he was involved with the numbers and it's the numbers it's the numbers and if there's anyone here who runs the numbers legally or illegally i don't judge Tim does, but that's the balance between us. <laughs> Judgy Judgerson. Judgy 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 McJudgerson will do that. But um but but yeah, so the numbers come up with this and and so now I've talked about the numbers, but um um uh so so let's talk about um what's her name in this who's always getting in uh in Carl's way. Uh, Monique Marmelstein. Monique, Monique, yes, yes. So so what did you what do you think of what do you think of her? Did you think 
did you think okay I'm just I'm going to I'm going to guess what Tim might have thought and he'll probably think something else did you one think oh my gosh this is the character I was hoping would be introduced into Kolchak the Night Stalker or did you think why on earth has this character been introduced to Kolchak the Night Stalker you can <laughs> pick a third one um can I say a little of both yes because <laughs> I mean he's incredibly irritating um but you you know when is Carl the most entertaining when he's being annoyed, right? Yes, true. true. You know, so it, it is kind of fun. There's a part where she's chasing him down the stairs for a story, and he turns around. He's like, "Stay here!" <laughs> <laughs> he's like running away. He's terrified of her. And of course, naturally, the next scene we see is he's driving, and she's sitting next to him. Um, yes. And yes. she's she's like the uh, the the little puppy dog that the owner of uh, INS has sent to Tony and to, yeah. is his, Tony's job to, uh, you know, make her a reporter. So of course he shovels it off onto, uh, Carl <laughs> yes. knowing that it's going to annoy the crap out of Carl. And it, yes. it, it does, and, you know, and she's, she's fun. It's funny though. They only have her in two episodes and, yeah. and, you, you um, you, yeah, yeah. At the end of this one, she supposedly is sent home and her dad's happy about it. And yet in the next episode, we're going to discuss, she's there again. Like she never left. Yes, and she's like developing photos for everyone now, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and, so like, and then you never see her again. <laughs> yes, yes, it's um, yeah, it's yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, she's she's an interesting character because the first time we see her, like, um, go on the site where there's the shooting and all the cops are there and everything, she immediately grabs her camera and runs yes. past the cop cars towards, and and I I applaud her verve, but um. <laughs> It's insanity. I mean, I, I, it's insanity. I almost wonder if, like, if if she is like related to the guy who runs everything, maybe she's maybe she's like a little spoiled or something. That's and, the impression like, I got. Yes. Yes, and so that her running into that situation is just like who who's going to stop her? Her dad's in charge. Yeah. Of 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 the of the place, you know, who's going to stop her? You know, when when in reality, you know, stop. You know, and Carl has to uh, practically deck her to to get her from from running out. He locks in, her in the in, trunk. He locks her in the trunk. Yes, he locks her in the trunk. Yeah, which is great. Uh, yeah, um, I'll tell you something. Another thing I really liked about this episode is Carl clashes with. He's a bad cop. Yes. And yes. And find out. Oh, oh man, he he's involved in what's going on. And the zombies after him next, and at the end, I mean, he's he he doesn't get killed, but uh, he get he he quits mm-hmm. because yes. he, you get the impression he's been forced to resign because yes. he was yeah. in, in with both mobs supposedly somehow, and and that was kind of a fresh twist on the police captain, which is usually just the standard guy who who screams at Kolchak for asking usually questions. Usually Claude Akins, yeah, exactly. Yes. Uh, so I, I enjoyed that uh, that act of it because you don't find that out until like the last ten minutes, and yes, you're and like, c- oh, now it makes sense. He's been yes, such a, yes. a jerk to Carl yeah. for digging it, you know, too far into the story. Uh, yeah, and we, and uh, oh, please, please. And the, like, yeah, the, the only other thing that, and I, I I I made a joke about this at the beginning, but who the hell is the monk? <laughs> you yes, never monk. see him again. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. He's like this yeah. little guy in, in like uh, a monk outfit, like uh, um, yes. 
like uh, Guru the Man Monk or something, like yes, wanted exactly. in onto the Coltrack set. Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a weird moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, two uh... scenes. Mm-hmm. No dialogue. Mm-hmm. You just see him nodding yeah. a lot as Carl is doing voiceover. And mm-hmm. you know, I stopped by to see the monk, and he had information for blah blah blah. I just say, like, who, who is this? Who? Uh, yes. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we never find out. Yes, that that's a that's a yeah yeah that's maybe yeah maybe maybe he would be turn out to be Guru the Mad Monk of like season two or something like that. Who knows? You know, or or yeah yeah <laughs> it's, it's no that, that's yeah yeah there's there's a moment yeah it's you know I I like to think that the moments that we don't fully understand in our alternate universe where Kolchak ran for six or seven seasons it's all explained it all makes sense you know I th- I think of it as like um, you know when they, they um, talk about uh, you know like uh, uh, c- c- say like oh well well, Manimal um, you know it's eight episodes they were you know they're garbage and they, they didn't develop anything blah 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 you know and then they'll someone will bring up another show that ran for like eight seasons and say well the eight seasons of this show they really developed the characters and blah 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 but not in the first eight episodes they didn't so don't you don't you <laughs> come at me don't you come at me with that you know if, if Kolchak you know watch the first season of X-Files there is some character development and stuff going on, certainly, but there ain't a lot. It's the second season no. where all that kicks in. And, and so if, if X-Files had been canceled after one season, we would have had a show that I'd be talking about on here. And we'd be enjoying, we'd all be wondering, what happened to Mulder and Scully? Now we know what happened to them in great detail. But but it's, 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 it's you know, with the bits and pieces like this, because I, I had... um. A long, long time ago, yes, yeah, someone say something like that to me. Well, why are you covering Manimal? Blah, blah, blah. And I forget what show they brought up. I want to say it was Magnum P.I., but I could be mm. wrong. But it was a show from around there where they said, they developed the characters. And I said, well, did they do that in the first eight episodes? No. I said, then shut up. <laughs> you know, if, if a show got canceled after eight episodes, it can't develop the characters anymore. You you, you know, you know, like if a show runs for eight seasons or however many, and in the third season they begin to develop the characters, and by the end of the series you're like, this is beautiful. You go back to the beginning, they're doing the same crap, you know, that shows that got canceled did. You know, so Kolchak, I like to think that all these little bits in Kolchak and all the other shows we talk about it here that we watch and go, huh, you know, like on Search... Angel Tompkins, why wasn't she on more episodes? I bet she was. I bet in the second season of Search, she becomes one of the probe agents alongside the three guys. She becomes the first head female probe agent. But I don't know because it never happened. So, you know, Search, Kolchak, Planet of the Apes. Well, Planet of the Apes. Uh, you know, it's they are <laughs> what they are. And, and um, you know, and, and uh, yeah, the monk, I think the monk would have been a would have shown up in the second season or the third season and the but would have been a hell of an arc but here it's confusing <laughs> what are you gonna do so uh what, what uh, else know, do you what else oh yeah please oh well you know i i just i'm just gonna say you know i i really i hope at some point during the course of uh eventually super train you you, you have to cover jj starbuck <laughs> and the law oh, of Harry sure. McGraw. I mean, oh. any of those from the 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 uh, she wrote universe. Yes. Oh my gosh, I'm writing those down. 
They're all I watched down. both of them too. And, and oh, I don't right. know if you remember, but the the second half of the season the, uh, of JJ Starbuck, they brought in Ben Vereen uh, as uh, you know his character from Ten Speed and Brown Shoe. Wow! Oh my gosh! Yeah, this is this is too much. This is my. I wish sometimes I wish eventually Super Train we covered like six shows at a time. So we could get through everything. So I could, so I could cover like Mr. Terrific and Captain Nice, and and then we could also oh do boy. Ten Speed and Brown Show and um, uh, Quark, and all these shows that I've got standing by. <laughs> um, but uh, what what else do you have on? What else do you have in this one before I go way down at Adventure Super Train Rabbit Hole? Uh, you know, I don't really think I have anything else. But uh, you know, it, again, it's a strong second episode for. Yes. I think he really led the series off with a, a good uh, one-two punch. I think so, yeah. And I think, like, like you said, the, the the thing at the end with the cop actually being crooked um, makes it so that even though, you know, Carl doesn't come up with much at the end, at least the, the zombie has been stopped and other stuff has come out. You know, I, I guess that's, that's sort of the thing. Like at, at the end of this one with the crooked cop and then the mobsters and things – there is a sense that something was accomplished apart from just killing the monster. Um, and whether or not they thank Carl in any way, shape, or form, it doesn't really matter. But um, but it, it is nice to see that uh, that sort of element added. And again, it's nice to see they, they there are there is more than one trick in their hat. They've they've got more going on. So uh, so I guess uh, yes. Tim, if you don't have anything else on this. Um, do you have anything else on this? Are, all, are we? No, I, I think I've exhausted my notes. <laughs> me, me too. <laughs> so, uh, where, where, where can we find you online? Well, uh, I co-host Beauty, the Beast, and the Bees with Kelly Hogaboom, a series mainly about B films and genre cinema. Uh, we're on SoundCloud and iTunes, and we also have a Facebook page, and you know the usual Twitter and Instagram stuff. To, uh, yeah, that's that's uh, that's us. That is the zombie episode two. Next up, oh boy, I think there might be some aliens in our future, but in your future, we got this. You are going to listen to me, and you're going to like it. Hey, everyone, this is this is uh, this is end of show, Dan, as opposed to beginning of show, Dan, or in a, an individual segment, Dan. So I'm uh, I just like to say my name. Thanks for listening to episode 110. Hope you enjoyed it. Next time, a, a little more of everything. Moving, moving our way through these three great shows. And uh, let me see. Thank you again, as always. Amy the Conqueror, Mitchell, Q Hadley, and Tim Turner. And uh, let's see. Where can we find us online? EventuallySuperTrain.blogspot.com. Addy Supertrain1 on Twitter. EventuallySuperTrain on Facebook. You can email me at Danny, D-A-N-N-Y, Slacks, S-L-A-C-K-S, at Yahoo.com. Feel free to email me and say hi, see what I'm doing. Uh, throw a suggestion for a show if you got one. I found a really interesting sounding one from the mid-80s, one of the anthology shows they had in the mid-80s that I'd never heard of before. But it sounds like a lot of fun. I'm going to see if I can hunt it down. Uh, regardless of that... Uh, that's that's the end. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Listen to this. Mm-hmm.